Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that is related to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be at this holy place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. Allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break the chains of all evil and sin that holds us captive. May in this service be cursed, as before, all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, ignorance, covetousness, all of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy people and stand, O Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your redemption and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Spirit. Allow us to discover your shining countenance. I lay the service in your divine arms. Guide it with your uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated. Yeah. 
The book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verses 24 through 26. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, or rather in power, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. He looked to the reward that was so a, such a great stimuli, such a great inheritance of riches that he had refused to be called the son of the daughter of Pharaoh. And so what is the reason for which Moses, coming to age, refused to be called the son of the daughter of Pharaoh? As you see, it was contained in the fact that he is very important what we look at, and he looked at his reward. He looked at his reward that was comprised in the promise of the inheritance of the unseen inheritance of eternal life. And then when Moses had come to age in which he, by faith, received the ability to look at what was best, to desire what was best, to make the decision for the benefit of what was best, only then he had refused to be called the son of the daughter of Pharaoh. Until a person sees the, his inheritance, looks upon his inheritance, he can't re reject his perishing inheritance. The faith of God, as we know, he came to age by faith. By faith is, or the faith of God, is the information or revelation of God and our inheritance in God, accepted by our heart, which we can accept through the preached word of the messengers of God. The relation from God, accepted by the heart, makes, sets us up before a decision to either fulfill the will of God or to challenge the will of God with our own visions, our own desires, and our own plans. Because always when we are talking about faith, we are talking about the obedience of a person to the revelations of God. However, Moses, thanks to his decisions to fulfill the will of God, he had received not just the best treasures or the best reward, but he acknowledged God in his calling, because of which he was freed from a slavery to Egypt, he was healed from all illnesses, and he began to... Um, to, to dominate over Egypt. However, the path to refusing to be called the sons of Pharaoh's daughter is comprised of the fact that Moses, by faith, came to age, or rather to power, because he looked at the invisible reward, or the unseen reward. By faith, coming to power, which could challenge the authority of Egypt, means through the obedience of our faith to the faith of God, to be clothed into the power of the new man. He had come to power. We're talking about the new man. When we come to the full measure of age, we begin to acknowledge the power of our new man, and therefore the power that Moses had and that had allowed him to refuse to be called the son of the Pharaoh's daughter in order to have the great reward was comprised in his spiritual 
maturation, which did not depend on his age, but his obedience to the faith of God. Each time we fulfill the will of God, we are clothed in power that gives us the ability to acknowledge God and to be freed from illnesses and poverty. Egypt is an image of our perishing body, in which is the law of sin and death that acts in the limits of our Egypt or in the limits of our um, of our fading body. The daughter of Pharaoh is the image of our soul that is not lost and that has not been sown in the death of the Lord Jesus. He had refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh is the image of our human mind. And so to be refused to be called the daughter or the son of Pharaoh's daughter is to look upon the unseen inheritance in the face of the new man and proclaim this unseen inheritance as the faith of our heart. To affirm the proclamation of our reward, it is necessary to honor God with tithes and tithes and offerings by pursuing the goal of finding God in these. Without this factor, it is impossible to be clothed into the new man. This is the foundation of all foundations. Malachi 3, 7 through 10. Yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? He says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Turning to God begins at bringing all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, says the Lord, and try me now in this, says the Lord. If, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Room enough to receive it or abundantly means that it will pour over. You won't just have a lack, but you are going to yourself give loans to people. And you yourself won't need to take loans because you will have an abundance. We are first talking about the heavenly riches, but as soon as a person begins to have perishing riches, all of the riches of Egypt are found in his authority. They begin to depend on him. That's why when a person is clothed into the new body, or when his Egypt is going to be clothed into the new body, somehow a small flock that is in the whole, that is spread out along the whole earth that do not know one another, when Christ said the words, that Satan had asked to sow you as the wheat. But I had prayed about you, Peter, that your faith shall not dwindle. Why didn't he not pray for everybody? Why did he pray for one person? Because he placed him as the head. If the faith of the head dwindles, the faith of everyone will also. If there will be faith of the faith in the person whom God has established, God will give this faith to everyone. But he said, I prayed that your faith shall not dwindle when Satan sows you as wheat. What does he mean to sow as wheat? Remember, we've mentioned that when wheat is sown, despite the fact that the seed is close to the other one, it doesn't know about the presence of the surrounding wheat, the surrounding seeds. It thinks that it is alone, that it is lonely, that it has been sown in loneliness, and it doesn't know that 
around it are many other wheat and it dies. There begins a process of death and decay. This is the most difficult moment. And Christ had said, I had asked of you, Heavenly Father, that in this moment, your faith shall not diminish, so that you can trust. You see, before clothing the body into the new man, God will allow Satan that each of us would feel that we're not needed by anyone. You are going to be in church and you will feel this strong willingness that you're forgotten by everyone. At the same time, there will be this emptiness inside. Illnesses that might cover the body. The soul that is not at rest in the face of all kinds of lusts. This is death. Everything will darken. And when a person remains firm in his hope, firm in his hope in God, where is where does he get this hope? He has come to power, come to age. His power has strength. And by this power, he begins to control his body. All of this happens in the body, not the spirit. The spirit is a completely different thing. And only thanks to the fact that the spirit has power, because he's come to the age, he gains dominion over Egypt. So I see here how Moses was given the opportunity to clothe his body into the new man. Otherwise, how could he do such great works to lead at, from the authority of Egypt the people and to take all of the riches of Egypt? That's why each time we offer God our tithes and offerings, you must understand that this is the foundation from which we begin to clothe our body into the new man. And if we do this with a goal, with a joy, with a desire, demonstrating that we love God, that we are searching for Him, in this honor, we do not search for what is earthly, we refuse for what is earthly. Then, the earthly will be given to us as well. Remember what God said to Solomon, because you did not search for earthly things, you did not search for the souls of your enemies, you sought wisdom, my riches, my unfading riches. For this, you are going to be given that as well. And such riches that no one had had before. I don't know how God is going to do this. You today are not some kind of businessmen or bankers, people who know how to place millions into circulation and earn millions, but somehow people who are going to be clothed in new bodies will receive such knowledges, such power and such opportunities that's why they're going to shake the whole world, because in their hands is going to be the, the whole riches of the earth before they're going to be raptured. They're going to control at this time. The earth will gladly give it into your hands, just as Egypt had given to Israel. Gold, silver, the very best in order to leave. This is needed in order to be raptured. This is going to be the strongest time of Christianity. It is going to shake the world. It's going to be the strongest form of evangelism because those who are clothed to the new body will be the true light to this world. And then all of the synagogues of Satan under her great names, whatever they may be 
called, they're going to be shaken. And those people who were found in the slavery of these pseudo leaders, they're going to be clothed, or they're going to come to these people and say, the Lord has loved you. We've seen that the Lord is with you. That's why it's important. Right now we are going to honor God in tithes and offerings. Stop seeking, stop, stop searching for what is earthly. Just make a decision to position yourself to look at what is heavenly. Never search for what is heavenly in order to receive what is earthly. Search for what is heavenly in order to receive knowledge of God and you will become the glory of God upon this earth. You will become this light. Let us stand and let us sing a song. The promises of God will always be. The covenant of blood always affirms them. What God has promised, He will give. We will worship Him and acknowledge his authority over us in this service, without which our worship would be pointless. And so each time I will remind you that when Israel had honored God in tithes and offerings, either in the tabernacle of Moses or the temple of Solomon, they were who was called to, according to the revelation of Moses, to raise their hands over their offerings and proclaim one unique proclamation that they were faithful to for thousands of years. We being that same Israel, tied to the same root, drinking from the fruit of the same tree, will do the same thing. Please raise your right hands, a symbol of your righteous act, over your offerings, and pray along with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I have separated the tithes from my home and brought them into your home so that your home may have food. I do not give them in impurity. I do not give them in sorrow. And I do not give for the dead. I rejoice that I have the privilege to express my love and to acknowledge your authority. And according to your word, I ask you, Right now, may your heavenly windows be opened and may your blessing come down abundantly upon your redeemed nation. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated.
have your Bibles, please open up with me a familiar place of Scripture, which continues to keep great mystery of the relationship between us and our Heavenly Father and our great purpose. Matthew 5:45 and 48, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The sermon, sermon that I would like to continue is called Call to Perfection. And linked to the path that leads us to perfection, we have been studying the path that leads us to God as our groom in the symbolic story of the path of Rebecca to Isaac. And I've been studying the signs presented in the Bride of the Lamb. Rebecca presented these signs in the virtues of the Lily of the Valley, upon which we are called to look, so that we, collaborating with the truth and the power of the Holy Spirit, we form ourselves into the image of perfection that is in the likeness of our Heavenly Father. Luke 12, 27 through 32. Consider the lilies of how they grow they neither toil nor spin and yet I say to even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these if then God so clothes the grass which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven how much more will he clothe you O you of little faith and do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink nor have an anxious mind for all these things the nations of the world seek after and your father knows that you need these things but seek the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you do not fear little flock for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom Luke 12, 27 through 32. Considering the lilies of the valley is one of the conditions necessary to seek the kingdom of heaven. Fulfilling this condition gives us the ability to be dressed into the perfection of our Heavenly Father. And for this purpose, we turn to the unique relationship of the most beautiful of women with her beloved, where the state and function of her heart identify the virtues of the lily of the valley that represents in her heart the kingdom of heaven that has come into full strength. And so the growing lily presents the kingdom of heaven that has come in strength. It's talking about the heart of a person the in, inside of himself. We have been studying this relationship in the allegories that are presented in the book of the Songs of Solomon. We see the requirements of the most beautiful of women to look at unseen goals, these unseen goals being the virtues of her beloved. Because based upon the words of Scripture, unseen goals upon which we are called to look in the virtues of God 
In the unity of all of his commandments presented in the life dynamic of the growing lily, they are eternal. At the same time, seen or physical goals reflected in materialistic success, blissfulness and fame that people so much desire today, Christian people, they are temporary. For the most part, Christian people want materialistic success and are seeking these things and fame. We being children of God, when we pay our attention and look at physical or seen goals, they transform us from worshippers of God into idol worshippers and result in a harvest of eternal dishonor, shame, and wilting. Because obedience to the preached word about the kingdom of heaven is impossible without looking upon his word. Therefore, the principle of looking is the foundation necessary for the act of one of the most powerful methods and principles of sowing into the soil of our heart. And so those objects that we look upon with desire are sown into the soil of our heart and produce fruit that transforms our essence into the nature of that object. <clears throat> that goal or object that we look upon. For example, the sly serpent was fully aware of this principle. Therefore, having slipped into the Garden of Eden, he turned to the wife and prompted a desire and an interest in her for the forbidden fruit, and she sinned. And so when she looked at this forbidden fruit, when she he told her to look, and she did look, she listened, Genesis 3.6, so when the woman saw pay attention here that it was important for the devil to turn her eyes from the tree of life that she was supposed to look at so that and look at the other fruit so then when the woman saw that the tree was good for food that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise she took of its fruit and she ate she also gave her husband with her and he ate the sowing of seeds of sin as well as sowing seeds of good or righteousness happen when you look upon objects of sin or objects of good or righteousness again I repeat sowing of seeds of sin into our heart or seeds of righteousness into our heart happen when you look upon the objects of sin or objects of righteousness then it happened one evening, 2 Samuel 11, 2 through 4. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing. And she was a beautiful woman, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about the woman, and someone said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Then David sent messengers and took her and she came to him and he laid with her for she was for she was cleansed from her impurity and she returned to her house and so pay attention to your husbands and your wives do not attempt to see another husband or another wife that she or he would be better for you this is somebody else's. This is not your own. Look at what belongs to you and be satisfied with what belongs to you. Build a relationship with what belongs to you. In this situation, we're talking about looking at seen or visual goals of the growing lily and the growing lily, and this includes these things as well. To look at the dynamic of the growing lily includes looking at your wife and look at your husband. When we look at each other, we uh, find each, uh, each other within each other.
If they say it in the world, uh, a husband and wife are one Satan. The scriptures say a husband and wife is one body, not one Satan. This is one body. If you are holy, then you're not one Satan. You will be one righteousness. You will one glory of God. Angels will be rejoicing looking at such relationship between a husband and a wife. This is one of the components of the dynamic of the growing lily. What we look upon, sinful things, forbidden things, dishonorable things, perishable things, things that are destructive or disappear quickly or eternal and imperishable upon what it is is ours in accordance to scripture. Therefore, when we look at unseen goals in the dynamic of the growing lily that contain within itself the kingdom of the law of grace, they transform us into the image of the Son of God and produce an eternal weight of glory. 2 Corinthians 4, 17, 18 For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And when does this happen? When we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We note that the result of looking upon the growing lily is the manifestation of the life of resurrection in the body of a holy person, which has become possible due to the death of the seed of this planted lily. 2 Corinthians 4, 10, 11, always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. This incredible revelation that talks about the fact that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is called to be revealed in this mortal body, <clears throat> not in the transformed body and the one that will be in the likeness of the Son, but in this mortal body. And so if this will begin happening, then you understand what will happen. Life of resurrection is more powerful than any virus of death. It will destroy every virus. It is very important in any situation to look at unseen goals at the unseen because obstacles of our life will always turn our attention to seeing visual things, looking at the uh, destruction that may be happening, but we need to look at the unseen, the commandments of God. David says, I will not be ashamed to look at all of your commandments. Your commandments are eternal. And so life, the, the dynamic, it shows the commandment of the Lord. There, the resurrection of the, of the Lord is working or functioning. And so the Holy Spirit greatly desires that His children collaborate with Him with, by the truth through the instructions of faith that they begin to dress themselves into resurrection because this has never happened before. The church has never been able to be dressed into resurrection. They waited that they will resurrect or they shall be raptured and they will change. And a lot of songs are written that there we will only understand things. But the Lord wanted us to understand things here and have this happen here. What we will understand here will be what our possession there as well. If we will not understand it here, then what we did not understand here will not be given to us there. 
the death of the Lord in us is the seed of the lily that has been fertilized in the soil of our heart. At the same time, the life of Jesus inside of our body is the fruit that has been grown from this seed, the fruit being the lilies of the valley. This is already the fruit, this is the kingdom of heaven that has come in full strength in the heart of a person that begins to capture him and all begin, will begin to see this, all nations and people. It will be as the sun that shines in all of its strength. It will not be possible to not see and not just <clears throat> not seen, but the results of it you'll see as well. This sun will uh, produce life with its warmth and will reveal any false things. Secondly, the beauty of the lily is one of the imperishable virtues of the Heavenly Father, revealed in His Son Jesus Christ, as well as those people born from God in Christ Jesus that have grown the seed of the lily into full measure of growth in Christ. Songs of Solomon 2.1.2, I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. The Holy Spirit says that the Heavenly Father, that the Holy Spirit, that the Son of God, have these qualities of the lily of the valley. I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley. The rose of Sharon is also a type of lily. And further, it says, like a lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. He says, uh, he speaks about his beloved, oh, or most beautiful of women, that she has these same virtues. The natural beauty of the lily is the virtue of the bride of the lamb. It is contrasted to the thorns, the nature of the other daughters attempting to claim the calling of the bride and the attention of her groom. Defining thorns, in accordance to the words of Christ, are the cares of this generation where a person looks upon seen or visual goals. When uh, the seed falls amongst thorns, it is choked. And thorns are the cares of this life and wealth. When a person is attempting to become wealthy uh, using principles of faith, not to be dressed into the resurrection of Jesus, into imperishable wealth, to become but to become materialistically successful, then this uh, chokes the seed of the kingdom of heaven, and it become it is sometimes without fruit. This is specifically why the other daughters claiming the status of the bride and the attention of the beloved are in the likeness of thorns, because their goal, the object that they look upon, became seen materialistic prosperity. <clears throat> to the great misfortune of these people, many children of God today are also captured with this. The image of the lily in the heart of a person is the result of looking upon the unseen goals that are contained in the virtues of the Heavenly Father. The results of us looking at unseen goals is the fruit of eternal life, which is the kingdom of heaven that has come in full strength, that was previously received into the good soil of our heart in the form of the seed of the death of our Christ Jesus. And we note that there is a big difference between the seed of the kingdom of heaven that we are conceived with and the fruit itself, the tree that already grows from this seed from which we can conclude that we are created by God with such a purpose <clears throat> and such abilities, looking at specific goals, <clears throat> be they positive or negative goals, we are transformed into their essence and their image. The essence of our abilities is that we are unable to look at two battling between themselves and rising up against each other goals at the same time. This is the seen and wilting and the unseen and eternal. So before looking at two battling between themselves goals, we as people, 
<clears throat> are given sovereign rights. And we will need to make a choice, a choice benefiting either the seen and perishable or benefiting the unseen and imperishable. Deuteronomy 30, 19, 20. I call heaven and earth as witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Choose the object of your goal that you will be looking upon. <clears throat> the dynamic of the growing lily is life. Temporarily wealth, temporary wealth is death. That you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days. And that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give them. Therefore, to choose eternal life and be dressed within the power of a resurrection, we need to not forget and always focus our mind upon the unseen virtues of God. In this situation, the dynamic of life that flows in the growing lily. Unseen goals themselves, being perishable wealth, present the interests of eternal life in God and with God. At the same time, seen or visual goals, these being perishable wealth, present the interests of eternal death in Satan and with Satan. The word Satan means hater, the hater of God. To look upon unseen goals means not to look back or not turn back once you know the path of righteousness. Psalm 119.5-7 Oh, that my way were directed to keep your statutes, then I would not be ashamed when I look into all your commandments. I will praise you with uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. The image of the growing lily is the image of a person that possesses a wise heart due to the fact that he accepted the mind of Christ. And so to be fed among the lilies is to be fed among the truths of God. We came to the conclusion that the Holy Spirit tends or feeds a man with a wise heart between the lilies upon the condition that this person speaks or converses with other people that are like him, dressed into the virtues of the lily of the valley. Proverbs 13.20, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Foolish people hope and trust upon the abilities of their intellect and are identified in scripture as corrupt company. People that attempt to, with their mind, interpret and learn and search the scriptures are evil company and are considered as foolish in scripture. You can't interpret with your mind the thoughts of God. You can interpret them with your heart only with the Holy Spirit. Do not be deceived, evil company corrupt good habits. 1 Corinthians 15.33 When you hear it, such people of the flesh that as monkeys sometimes jump in down, up and down on the stages, then you are changed and transformed into their image as well when you feed from them. When they say, oh, what a miracle, as a monkey in a cage. Therefore, to determine and examine yourself whether you belong to the family of the lily as well as if you are a part of the one who feeds and amongst what truths we are being tended and fed, 
It is necessary to have a full understanding of those qualities and characteristics that are given to the most beautiful of women in the virtues of the lily of the valley, written in the book of the Songs of Solomon. It is necessary to have a full understanding of those qualities and characteristics that are given to the one who feeds us, and more accurately, who is supposed to be our shepherd. Otherwise, we will not be able to understand who our shepherd should be and will allow a person to shepherd us that is not supposed to. It is necessary to have a full understanding of those qualities and characteristics written in the songs of the uh, book of the Songs of Psalm that identify the one that's supposed to be our shepherd. Songs of Psalm 2.16 My beloved is mine and I am and I am his. He feeds his flock among the lilies. The truth contained in the growing lily of the valley is the result that happens from knowing the teaching about the blood of Christ and the teaching about the cross of Christ. These are the root system of the teaching of, the, of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh that produces the fruit of righteousness in the teaching of resurrection and the eternal judgment. In a particular format, as much as the Lord has allowed in the measure of our faith, we have already studied a series of allegories that contains signs that identify the image of the bride of the lamb <clears throat> in the virtues of the lily of the valley and have been studying the dialogue of the most beautiful of women with her beloved in the book of the songs of solomon songs of solomon 5 2 through 5 i sleep but my heart is awake it is the voice of my beloved he knocks saying open for me my sister my love my dove my perfect one for my head is covered with dew my locks with the drops of the night I have taken off my robe, how can I put it on again? I've washed my feet, how can I defile them? My beloved put his hand by the latch of the door, and my heart yearned for him. I arose to open for my beloved, and my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with liquid myrrh, on the handles of the lock. We note that in this given place of scripture, the dialogue of the most beautiful of women with her beloved Lord revealed the sacred relationship of the holy people. These people link are linked to the soon coming meeting with the Lord in the air when he appears. And this dialogue serves as evidence that the holy people are ready for this meeting. We see here in this allegory this dialogue and this relationship. Therefore, if we have truly loved the appearance of the Lord, then it will be necessary for us to uncover and examine or test ourselves as to whether we are ready to meet with the Lord in the air when He appears for those who are waiting for Him in salvation in their heart, and to reveal and identify specific signs in the dialogue of the most beautiful of women with her Lord, serving as evidence that she is ready to meet her Lord in the air, we, thanks to the revelation of the Holy Spirit, studying these places of Scripture in Hebrew, present a more elaborate version. I am submerged into the, into the death of my Lord, in which I have died for my nation, for my house, and for my corrupt desires. But my inner person in the resurrection of my Lord is vigilant in prayer. Here is the calling cry of my beloved that by the knock upon my door proclaims the ability to use his right to the power to reveal his strength in the works of righteousness. Now open to me my sister, overfilled with my peace, one that does not have evil in her heart. 
my beloved friend and one that is loved by me, incomparable with any, my dove, my pure one, one without blemish or wickedness. Because the authority that represents me sent by me to you is overfilled with the words of life and the power of my spirit, and the people that follow after them died for sin so that they may live for righteousness and perform righteousness. I've taken off the robe of the sinful man with his deeds, collaborating my cross with the cross of Christ, and do not desire to be addressed in him anymore. Because I have allowed my feet to be washed admitting my sins before the sons of my mother. I also wash their feet, forgiving their sins, and do not desire to defile my feet again by sinning against the sons of my mother. My beloved for evidence of his love has stretched out his hand to me because of the offering which I presented, testifying of my respect towards God, and called me to liberty from the dependence of the old man with his deeds, and has given me the strength to restrain my mouth and place a guard over my mouth. And my insides began to worry when he began to act, and I arose from ruins of death by the power of his resurrection, and I cast off the burden of the old law so that the beloved would be able to carve upon the tablets of my heart the words of the New Testament that would be able to clothe me to his righteousness so that my mouth would be able to be filled with fragrant praise and the words of my mouth like myrrh would produce incense from the four horns of the golden altar of incense. In this place of scripture presented in the form of a dialogue, we paid our attention to five moments. And these are the most beautiful of women confessing her state as a whole, the voice of the beloved being the response to her state, the first reaction of the most beautiful of women to the voice of the beloved, the behavior of the beloved in response to the most beautiful of women, and the second reaction of the most beautiful of women to the behavior of the beloved. In the previous services, we have already studied two moments and have been studying the third moment. In the third moment, in the elaborated version, we see the response of the most beautiful of women to the revelation of God that she received through the latch of the door in the dew and the drops. As we together have now understood that the latch of the door through which the beloved stretched his hand is presented, presenting yourself to God as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable for his good service. God can have a relationship with a person through the sacrifice or offering. When a person offers himself as a sacrifice that is good and acceptable, this is the slatch of the door, the allegory, through which God is able to have a relationship with us. And to offer yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, for the most beautiful of women, it was necessary to take off of herself the robe of the old man with his works. I've taken off the robe of the old sinful man with his deeds, collaborating my cross with the cross of Christ and do not desire to be dressed in him anymore because I have allowed my feet to be washed admitting my sins before the sons of my mother. I also wash their feet forgiving their sins and do not desire to defile my feet again by sinning against the sons of my mother. We note that in Hebrew the phrase I've taken off the robe means to tear off the skin from an animal while it is still alive. Therefore, the phrase I've taken off the robe means I've allowed my skin to be removed from myself so that in my sufferings I lose my former life. Normally, as we know, Based upon scripture, before an offering was laid upon the altar, they slaughtered or killed the animal. After that, they removed its skin and washed its legs and insides with water. In this situation, however, 
We're talking about such an offering whose skin is removed while it's still alive. Its legs and insides are washed with water, and in this form the living sacrifice is laid upon the altar. In this manner, before a person is dressed into humbleness, which will allow him to receive the ability to admit his sins before the sons of his mother, while a person is not humble, will not be able to bear fruits of, of humility or humbleness, he will blame everybody else except himself. And his mother didn't bear him the, uh, correctly, and the people are wrong, and the pastor is wrong, and the church is wrong, everything will be wrong, and he'll blame everybody. He just doesn't see himself as, as being wrong. And only when this skin will be removed physically while it's alive, and you're laid upon the altar living alive, you will be humble. And then you will be able to admit your sins before the sons of, of your mother as well as forgive the sins of the sons of his mother, sins that they committed against him. It will be necessary for him to take off the robe of the old man. And for this purpose, it will be necessary for him in carrying his cross to collaborate with the cross of Christ and to prompt our memory how to collaborate the carrying of our cross with the cross of Christ, where we are presented with the ability to take off the robe of the sinful man so that we can present ourselves to the Lord as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable for his good service, we turn to the commandments, statutes, and instructions that explain within rightful boundaries our collaboration with the cross of Christ when we carry our cross. In a particular format, we have already looked at the essence of the cross of Christ and the essence of our cross, and the difference between our cross and the cross of Christ, as well as based upon what principles is our cross called and able to collaborate with the cross of Christ, or what price is necessary to be paid paid for the right to collaborate the carrying of our cross with the cross of Christ. We have been studying the next question, the third question. By what signs are we able to determine that our cross collaborates with the cross of Christ and not its counterfeit or some kind of falsification? We note that the image of the cross of Christ is presented in the 12 stones that were placed at the bottom of the Jordan, identifying victory over death, as well as the 12 stones that were taken from the bottom of the Jordan, identifying victory over sin in the flesh. In the image of our cross presented in the 12 stones, from which the altar of the Lord was constructed or built. By themselves, the twelve stones of the altar identify the goal or motives of the human heart. That is, the strive to know the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. But we can only know it when we tear off this skin from ourselves and offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. And the living sacrifice that is presented upon the altar is the means that is used to reach the goal that you have. Through this sacrifice does the Lord stretch out a hand through this latch. And the first living sacrifice that was presented or presented himself upon this altar, the altar in this case being the cross is Christ himself that has opened to us his living sacrifice the path to the inheritance contained in his precious blood he was nailed to the cross alive and before he was nailed to the cross they tore off his skin he, they beat him so much that all of his body just became a living uh, just the flesh was all revealed and the blood was pouring. The whole body was beaten and it was not possible to look at him. The look of this person was so 
uh, uh, so uh, destroyed. And when they draw this beautiful, attractive man hanging on the cross, don't believe this image. His image was so destroyed. If you can imagine, with two... Uh, two Flogs. They 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 flog him. Two men were flogging him from two different sides, and from front and back. And the flogs, when they flogged him, they uh, the whips that they would be the flog that they would flog with, they tore out uh, meat when they would uh, beat the body. It shows, this, the story shows that to tear off the skin or present yourself as a living sacrifice is not some kind of artistic image. This is an incredible image, one that is great. And if the Son of God made this sacrifice, he will accept those that will do the same thing and will present themselves as a living sacrifice, good and acceptable to God for his good service, to know his will, his good and acceptable and perfect will. No one can know his good, acceptable and perfect will until they lay themselves alive upon the altar. We looked that it, at the fact that in the New Jerusalem, the image of the living sacrifice upon the altar of 12 stones are the 12 pearly gates. Pearl is the uh, pretty much the result of the suffering of the mollusk. It begins to suffer and begins to wrap whatever falls inside into this pearl. And so the 12 gates and only through these pearly gates, the image of the sacrifice, this example of sacrifice, we can enter into the inheritance that is in the pure blood of Jesus Christ, the inheritance of the blood of Christ that is presented in the New Jerusalem. The treasure of the blood of Christ is presented in the tree of life that bears its fruit 12 times, bearing fruit each month, as well as the leaves of the tree for the healing of the nations. In heaven, you will, we will not be able to need to heal anyone. No one will be sick there. Everybody will be in the new bodies. So in this situation, this revelation, this is also an allegory and proverb, and it talks about what God will do with those people that will lead themselves upon this altar. What will God will make of them from this chosen, of this chosen bride that she will bear fruit Every month, and uh, the uh, leaves, of the, leaves of the tree will be for the healing of the nation. She will be a light for the world and, a, and healing in its race. Therefore, to inherit the treasure that is contained in the blood of Christ, these being the fruits of the tree of life, bearing its fruit 12 times, each month bearing its fruit, we in a particular format have studied the names of the 12 patriarchs written upon the pearly gates. These names identify the requirements based upon which we are called to collaborate with the cross of Christ when we carry our cross. Because the 12 pearly gates had 12, uh, the names of the 12 patriarchs. The 12 pearly gates themselves is the unity of the 12 virtues that the living sacrifice has, presented, presenting itself as a sacrifice to God. The 12 names of the tribes of Israel upon the 12 pearly gates is the unity of 12 principles 
placed into the foundation of carrying our cross with the cross of Christ. The sign of carrying our cross with the cross of Christ is called to become the result of resurrection that are identified in the inheritance of the blood of Christ in the image of the tree of life that yields its fruit 12 times, bearing its fruit each month. We turn to the specific signs and feasts that are called to be present and flow in our heart in the fruits of the tree of life, bearing fruit 12 months of the year. A year is the redemption. The summer of the Lord is pleasant, and so this is the time of redemption. The, 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 the year from, from the time Jesus left and sent the Holy Spirit until the time that he sends, comes down and, and raptures his bride, all of this is called the year, one year. And so we turned to look at the signs in these and feasts in these months I will read Galatians 5:22 through 25 to resurrect in our memory but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace long-suffering kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control against such there is no law these are the qualities of a changed person fruit of the spirit is not evangelism it is not good work it is not giving your body to be burned for the sake of those goals but a changed character as I often say give me a person so that I may look at him and that he may testify about himself what the Lord has done with him we don't need preachers that say what God has done through them what evangelism they that has happened these, these are not the important you can gain the whole world but lose your soul we need those preachers that God changes that can come out and testify of what God has done with them how he's changed them love joy peace long-suffering kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control the unity of these characteristics truly makes a person as a magnet that you will be wanting to be close to. This person has no jealousy, no suspicions. This is a person that is uh, sincere and can, is considerate and against such there is no law and those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. It's, Apostle Paul says to the Galatians is the same thing that the Holy Spirit said in the so books of, book of the Songs of Solomon. I've cast off my robe, I have torn off my skin, I've offered myself as a living sacrifice. He says that those that are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Based on this place of Scripture, the fruits of the Spirit in the nine listed is, first of all, evidence that we are Christ. If you have these qualities, these characteristics in us, then we are Christ. And from the other side, it is the result that, of the fact that we crucified our flesh with its lusts and desires or passions and desires. The fruit of the Spirit is expression of the love agape towards God and your neighbor, and such a fruit of love is first of all not emotions but responsibility that is a specific act that disciplines the emotions and leads the emotions after itself. This is not what I feel but what I know. The revelations that have received faith is information. Faith is faith is from hearing the word of God, and not what I'm feeling or or someone is feeling. Here's what Apostle John says: John 14:15 through 21. I will not leave. If you love me, keep my commandments. John 14:15 through 21. If you love me, keep my commandments. 
he doesn't say, if you love me, you need to feel this love for me. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, and he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because they neither see him nor know him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you a little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. At that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. John 14, 15 through 21. This is the one that has the commandments of the Lord upon the tablets of his heart, not just knowing them, but have them upon the tablets of, of his heart. Following the commandments in which we need to yield fruits of the Spirit in the nine listed will be testimony of the fact that in our heart we crucified our flesh with its lusts and desires and have become the sons of light. The love agape that we are called to express when we fulfill the Lord's commandments is a selective love and for one people this will be a foul odor to death and for the other people it will be a fragrant odor to life therefore revealing your love to God and your neighbor when you fulfill the Lord's commandments we are revealing light in the Lord and are behaving as children of light which means then that the nine listed fruits of the Spirit can reveal themselves in all goodness, righteousness and truth Ephesians 5, 8-11 for you were once darkness but now you are light in the Lord walk as children of light for the fruits of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness and truth finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness but rather expose them revealing in your heart the nine fruits of the Spirit is revealing virtue in your faith, and in virtue you reveal knowledge, and in knowledge you reveal self-control. And in self-control, if you continue forward, perseverance, perseverance, godliness, and God, from godliness, brotherly kindness, and from brotherly kindness, love. For if there, if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor fruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Second Peter 1, 5-8 Therefore, to present evidence that we crucified our flesh with its passions and desires, collaborating our cross with the cross of Christ, we will be studying the image of the fruit of the Spirit and the signs and feasts that abide in our heart within the 12 months. We enter into the imperishable inheritance of treasure contained in the blood of Christ through the 12 pearly gates that contain in themselves 12 principles that testify of our collaboration carrying our cross with the cross of Christ. Studying the signs and feasts that are contained in each new month of the year, we will remember that in the Old Testament, identifying the word new pointed to the image of the future that needed to be opened up in the New Testament where a person received justification by the gift of grace independent from the law of Moses that produced wrath. From the other side, identifying the words new points to the resurrection of life that are revealed in the fruits of the tree of life. We together have already studied the fruit of the Spirit presented in the image of the fruit of the tree of life that yields that was yielded in the first month of the year, Abib or Nisan, in the signs and feasts that were included and identified in Scripture for this month, and have been studying the fruit of the Spirit in the second month. So, second fruit of the Spirit presented in the image of the tree of life of the second month was called Ziv or Liar. 
This was the month of flowers that matched the time of the middle of April or the middle of May. We note that in the second month, the result of the collaboration of carrying a cross with the cross of Christ was the start of the building of the Temple of Solomon. 1 Kings 6.1.2 In the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel, in the month of Zeev, which is the second month that he began to build the house of the Lord, now the house which King Solomon built for the Lord, its length was 60 cubits, its width was 20 cubits, and its height 30 cubits. Considering building yourself into a spiritual house, is to be built by the confessions of the faith of our heart. For this purpose, it is necessary that the measurements of the temple presenting the faith of our heart be written upon the tablets of our heart or need to be in accordance to the requirements that are in Scripture. Before beginning uh, the building of yourself into a spiritual house, <coughs> you need to leave the spiritual childhood, that is, a life in the flesh which means become spiritual, because specifically the confessions of the faith of our heart, and so being a person of the flesh or a, a spiritual child, or being a spiritual child, uh, you can't build of yourself a spiritual house, because he will not understand how to. Because specifically the confessions of the faith of our heart identify the state of our flesh, which cannot confess spiritual things. Same as a spiritual person will not be able to confess things of the flesh. A a person of the flesh and his confessions bases everything upon the abilities of, an, of his intellect or the intellect of another person. The blind will follow the blind. The one who sees will not follow the blind, but the blind will follow the blind. <coughs> Both will fall into a pit. And so the blind that led these blind will be happy that they see just a little bit of, of, of the sky, at least. Those that see will walk over mountains and hills and will avoid ditches and holes that the Lord will lead them and they will follow after one who sees, that is one who is spiritual. That is what the scriptures say. A person that is spiritual bases everything from the faith of his heart and relies upon the abilities of the faith of his heart which he received through the instructions of faith. The faith of the heart is information that comes from above from heaven by the person that God sends and can be received only with the heart. At the same time, intellectual knowledge or infor is information that comes by the ability of the living on earth intellect. This is how Christ explains this principle. John 3, 31 through 36. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. And he who comes from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and heard, that, that he testifies, and no one receives this testimony. No one receives his testimony that is of the of the earth he who has received this testimony has certified that God is true for he whom God has sent speaks the words of God for God does not give the spirit by measure the father loves the son and has given all things into his hand he who believes in the son has everlasting life and he who does not believe in the son shall not have life but the wrath of God abides on him <clears throat> and so that means you accept 
accept the one that God sends, who accepts me, who accepts the one I sent, accepts me, and who accepts me, accepts the one who sent me, who denies those whom I've sent, Jesus says, denies me, and the one who denies me denies my Father in heaven or the one who sent me. Therefore, before we form or construct ourselves into the image of God, that is our body, into the temple of the Holy Spirit, in which the Lord desires to live forever, being saturated into this person and allowing this person to be saturated into Him, we will need to be dressed into the mantle or virtue of a student of Christ, that by itself is already a fruit of humbleness that is revealed in the quality of a child. A quality of a child that a student of Christ possesses is love for the milk of the Word that gives them the ability to grow into salvation. Secondly, the quality of a child that a student of Christ possesses is the absence of the organ that accepts resentment and bitterness because they rely upon God as the great or high judge. Third quality of a child that a student of Christ possesses is the ability to taste the goodness of God. Fourth quality of a child that a student of Christ possesses is the quality of the living precious stone that in its consistency is in accordance to the chief cornerstone. Fifth quality of a child that a student of Christ possesses is a chosen nation and a kingdom of priests. Sixth quality of a child that a student of Christ possesses is the ability to proclaim the perfection of the one who called them, the Father from darkness into his miraculous light. And seventh quality of a child that a student of Christ possesses gives God the ability to reveal his mercy for them. Therefore, 1 Peter 2, 1 through 10. Therefore, lying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. He says, you are not children any longer, spiritual children, but love the pure milk of the word as a child. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, coming to him as to the living stone rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scriptures, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone, and the stone of the stumbling and rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of his darkness into his miraculous light, who once were not a people that are now, who were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Further, we note that the phrase as a newborn babe loved the pure milk of the word, this was always interpreted as something that is Uh, towards those that are uh, new to God or that just recently came to God or that are spiritual spiritual children. But it's actually talking about uh, you being out of the spiritual, spiritual childhood and being mature but loving the milk of the word as a child. 
в их сердце основание в лице камня краеугольного, избранного и драгоценного, представленного в их сердцах в размерах храма. The unique condition that is present in the holy people that possess the quality of a child and is absent in the holy people that are in the category of spiritual childhood is the existence of a foundation in their heart that is the chief cornerstone, precious and selected, presented in their heart in the measurements of the temple, as well as as well as it is the consistency of their heart that is in accordance to the requirements of the precious chief cornerstone. В силу чего не могут обладать полномочиями возвещать совершенство призвавшего их отца из тьмы в чудный свой свет. And so looking at the measurements of the Temple of Solomon, we came to the conclusion that the length of the temple, 60 cubits, is the altar that you are able to bring yourself as a sacrifice. 60 cubits is the presence of your heart in your heart, uh, the right motives or correct motives in your heart. Number 788, and all the oxen for the sacrifice of peace offerings were 24 bulls, the rams 60, the male goats 60, and the lambs in their first year 60. This was the dedication of offering for the altar after it was anointed. When the altar was anointed, then an offering was brought 60, 60, and 60. The image of the width of the temple, 20 cubits in width, is the fruit that is the living sacrifice. If here we see the altar, then the uh, width of the temple is the living sacrifice itself that has presented herself in Christ Jesus during the sanctification of the altar after it was anointed. Exodus 30, 11 through 16. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, When you take the census of the children of Israel for their number, and so those that are pretty much are in accordance to the requirement then every man shall give a ransom for himself to the Lord when you number them let him invest the silver that he has received then there may, that there may be no plague among them when you number them that is what everyone among those who are numbered shall give half a shekel according to the shekel of the sanctuary a shekel is 20 gira <coughs> the half shekel, shekel shall be offered to the Lord everyone included among those who are numbered from 20 years old and above shall give an offering to the Lord. The rich shall not give more and the poor shall not give less than half a shekel. Then you give an offering to the Lord to make atonement for yourself and you shall take the atonement money of the children of Israel and shall appoint it for the service of the tabernacle of meeting that it may be a memorial for the children of Israel before the Lord to make atonement for yourselves. Exodus 30, 11 through 16. When God will see such an offering, with this offering, he, through, because of this offering, he gets stretched forth his hand through that latch. And so being in the census is to offer yourself in the quality of this offering, living sacrifice, to then for the atonement of our sins. The symbol of the height of the temple in 30 cubits is the fruit which a person dedicates to the to the uh, priest of the Lord. Numbers 4, 1 through 3. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Take a census of the sons of Kohath from among the children of Levi, by their families and by their fam father's house, from 30 years old and above, even to 50 years old, all who enter the service to do the work in the tabernacle of meeting. The next image of the fruit that the tree of life uh, bears in the second month Zeph 
is in the name of the wilderness of, of Ziv, where Saul, uh, David covered uh, or hid from Saul when he was uh, pursuing him. This is the symbol of the category of the called and the symbol of the category of the chosen, which was David, as those that are called was uh, Saul, who was persecuting him. 1 Samuel 23, 14 through 17. And David stayed in, in strongholds in the wilderness and remained in the mountain in the wilderness of Ziph. Saul sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hand. So you see that the fruit that we bear to God will be that God will not give our lives into the hands of Saul. Saul are not some kind of stranger or Philistine. This is a person that is placed by God and anointed and that stands over us, if you can imagine, but became our enemy and is attempting to kill us. Saul sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hand. So David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life, and David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a forest. Then Jonathan, Saul's son, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Even my father, Saul, knows that. If you pay attention here, what kind of fruit this person needs to bear in the second month, he needs to have testimony. With the anointed of God, you can't, you can't uh, have a conflict or or to uh, fight with the anointed of God. Be afraid to fight with your leaders. If they became souls, God will give you the ability to be in this wilderness thief and cover. <clears throat> you still need to uh, treat them as authority. Don't be upset at, at, at them even if they sometimes unjustly behave towards you. <clears throat> for you, it will be a good thing for them not. <clears throat> And so this talking about people that are supposed to uh, protect us and do good for us, uh, stop doing this. <clears throat> Considering that the second month Zeb was called the month of flowers, the fruit of relying upon God in the wilderness Zeb was before God a symbol of the fragrance of Christ, which revealed itself in the ability not to peddle the word of God. This fruit in the wilderness of Zeb is not to peddle with the word of God. We see how Jonathan uh, strengthened him. <clears throat> Second Corinthians 2 Corinthians 2.15-17 For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. For to the one we are the aroma of death leading to death, <clears throat> and to the other the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God we speak in the sight of God in Christ. We see... <clears throat> 
the relying upon God is in the month of the flowers. Continue to rely upon God and not pay attention to the injustices that may have been done against us. You know, God has God taught me those people that were over me and then began to uh, accuse me of being a heretic and other things at the at the time when they themselves were. Uh, were were, uh, helping the KGB and uh, help them. The pastors of the registered churches there, they uh, did things openly. They were obligated to uh, uh, to pretty much make make note of how many people are baptized, how many came into the church, and they all needed to fill fill out fill these things out and give it to them. But those filled it out so that the holy people did not know uh, <coughs> the unregistered churches. They still filled it out, but the holy people did not know they were doing these things. Of course, not everyone did this. Some pastors did not do these things, but a lot of them did it. <clears throat> and so it says here further not to peddle the word of God. They peddled the word of God when they they said that if we register we're under the shadow of Egypt to be under the shadow of Egypt is being uh, in the power of your own soul this is not giving your soul to committing to, to your soul to death <coughs> being registered itself at the time but there where you're working, uh, did you not register there? Or the passport, do you not register these, yourself with these things? And there's a lot of registrations, and for some reason didn't see that. <coughs> and so they said, all we need to know is where you're gathering. Okay, you'll be hiding and going from house to house, but we still know where you're hiding. We want you to freely gather and not break the laws. I did tell you a story, one, story once about a pastor. Uh, he was a German uh, by nationality in Kazakhstan. He uh, stayed in prison five or six years because he didn't want to register. And then he went to free Germany, he says. And a part of the Christians... Uh, left Kazakhstan as well and started gathering in households and <clears throat> they said you, you can uh, register now uh, because you are free but he said no they told him he said no and then he, he, he they gave him a warning and also uh, he had to pay a fine he paid the fine and uh, because he refused to do this, <coughs> uh, the the soldiers that were there actually uh, whipped him in public, uh, removed his pants and whipped him, and so after that he humbled himself and actually agreed. Значит, 
и, и все было бы в порядке. And so people, uh, what we're saying, what I'm saying here is that people make up things of the intellect and interpret it as uh, the will of God or that scripture states these things when it's the interpretation, interpretation of their own intellect and not in accordance to God's will. He considered <coughs> the prophecy that people would say uh, greater than the uh, written words of scripture. And we're not uh, trying to belittle uh, prophecy, but the greatest prophecy is the word of God that you need to check everything with. And so the category of the called are those holy people that received salvation. There's a lot of called are, are those that received salvation but began to peddle or perverse the words of God. And doing so did not establish or confirm their salvation where the Holy Spirit could have become the Lord of their life. Therefore, the Holy Spirit stepped away from them and they are given into the power of the evil spirit that tortures them. <coughs> Then Saul said to Samuel, 1 Samuel 15, 24-29, Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord. Samuel told Saul how to behave, but he behaved differently. He said, well, I thought that it would be better this way. And he, with his mind, decided and peddled with the word because he considered that what he's doing is right. And Samuel, when he said, Samuel explained to him what he did. He said, I transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord. <coughs> to peddle with the word of God is rejecting the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. And Samuel turned away to go away. Saul seized the edge of his robe, and it tore. So Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today, and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. And also the strength of Israel will not lie nor relent, for he is not a man that he should relent. And so the Lord anoints in this kingdom another king. The other one wasn't yet removed. God says, I rejected you as king, but I left the anointing on you. But as a king, he rejected. Anointing is power. The category of the chosen are those holy people that received salvation and confirmed it by not peddling the word of God, and doing so established or confirmed their salvation, where the Holy Spirit became the Lord of their life, and the Holy Spirit abides on them and with them wherever they may go. Second Samuel 5, 11, 12. Then Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David and cedar trees and car carpenters and masons, and they built David a house. So David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel and that he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. And understandably, the category of the called that being Saul first uh, brought the first uh, attracted the category of the call, uh, of the chosen to himself that being David but then began to persecute them 
And so those Episcopals and pastors and deacons that persecute their their sheep, when you see that they're greater than you and better than you, and the wisdom of God is upon them and anointing, and you see this and can counsel to them and try to find ways to blame them, then you are seeing to see your end. Not all pastors are like this. There are pastors that are David, but for the most part, pastors are Saul. The next image of the fruit that the tree of life bears in the second month, Zeev, this is the ability for the holy people that have began, began to celebrate the Pesach in the first month, but were not able to, were then are able to celebrate this Pesach in, uh, in the 14th day of the second month. Numbers 9, 9 through 13. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, If anyone of you or your posterity is unclean because of a co corpse or is far away on a journey, he may still keep the Lord's Passover. On the 14th day of the second month, at twilight, they may keep it. They shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall leave none of it until morning, nor break one of its bones. According to all the ordinances of the Passover, they shall keep it. But the man who is <coughs> clean and is not on a journey and ceases to keep the Passover, that same person shall be caught, cut off from among his people because he did not bring the offering of the Lord as it is appointed. At, at its appointed time, that man shall bear his sin. <clears throat> the dead is that person that once was living to God, but then uh, turned away from God, and your connection with this person made you unclean or impure, and you need to cleanse yourself and break your relationship with this person, and you didn't understand or and uh, didn't do it or <clears throat> and the time of the Passover uh, happened and so when you break this relationship uh, with this person <clears throat> you need to still be cleansed and those that are in the process of being cleansed <clears throat> they're not yet ready uh, to take part in the Passover, but they can uh, celebrate it in the second month in the same day. And so those who will reject sanctification by God's norms and have placed their own norms and measurements, this is not for them. The ability of fulfilling the, the celebration Pesach uh, tells us who God is for us in Christ Jesus and what God has done us done for us in Christ Jesus. This is clearly shown in the prophecy of prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 66, 9. This is for the second month, Ziv, and those that are in sanctification but didn't finish their sanctification. Shall I bring to the time of birth and not cease delivery? Says the Lord, shall I, shall I who caused delivery shut up the womb? Says your God. If you began your sanctification and prepare yourself to meet with the Lord in the air and you did not make it, God will give these people a second month. He will uh, uh, withhold uh, uh, of, of, of some of those who were ready to let the others uh, uh, complete and become ready, finish and become ready. If you began and you accepted the seed of promise, and if your heart has fired up with the desire to meet the Lord in the air, then you will meet him. The devil says you will not make it. 
But maybe he, maybe he'll come tomorrow, then God will allow you to be prepared by tomorrow. <coughs> if the sun, that is that time of the finishing of the battle, is already setting, the Lord will allow us still to uh, to to be victorious. Joshua 10, 9 through 14. Joshua therefore came upon them suddenly, having marched all night from Gilgal. So the Lord routed them before Israel, killed them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, chased them along the road that goes to Beth Haran, and struck them down as far as Azekah and Makeda. And it happened as they fled before Israel and were, and were on the descent of Beth Haran that the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven on them as far as Ezekiah and they died. There were more who died from the hailstones than the children of Israel killed with the sword. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel and he said, <coughs> the sight of Israel. <coughs> sun stand still over Gibeon and moon in the valley of Aijalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the people had revenge upon their enemies. And this is this not written in the book of Jeshur? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. And there has been no day like that before it or after it that the Lord heeded the voice of a man for the Lord fought for Israel. Joshua 10, 9 through 14. <coughs> the second example showing of the second month Zeth that God shall not leave his holy people that in some way became were late. Gilgal is uh, <coughs> the stone circle. This is the place upon which the uh, Israelite people were. And so this shows here the spring and the uh, separation of the pure and impure things. And so by the means of carrying our cross with the cross of Christ, <coughs> circumcision happened, and these are Israelites that were already circumcised, because in the time of the path in the wilderness. They were not circumcised. When they passed over the Jordan, God circumcised them and they were sick there. And after that, this glorious uh, battle happened <coughs> when the, where the Lord showed. They came from Gilgal and then returned back to Gilgal. It's very important that they were in that place where they received circumcision. That <coughs> this altar when they, where they offered themselves to the Lord as a living sacrifice acceptable for His good service. <coughs> Golgal is the main goal, what we need to do, the time what, of doing it and why we need to do it. Considering that our time is up, we will right now bend our knees and pray and may the Lord bless us in this prayer. All those who desire to confront the sins and dependences and sicknesses and fears that you have, uh, obstacles that you have, your <coughs> flesh and people <coughs> that you are, uh, that, that are scaring you, uh, doctor's verdicts that are scaring you. 
remember that God does not have a sickness that he cannot heal. There's no circumstance that he can't lead you out of. There's no dark place or dark tunnel where he can't uh, shine his light. So continue to look at the unseen, continue to hope upon him and God will reveal his mercy to you. Let us bend our knees and pray. And those who desire to confront <coughs> and strengthen their hope upon God, we wait for you here at the altar. Right now, I'm going to be praying your prayer and ask you to deeply believe that God is for you. He's not against you. He in this, is in this place not to judge you, but to justify you. When you confess your sins, He, due to His unchanging word, immediately forgives them and casts them into darkness. He purifies you, and you again are restored, and your relationship with Him is restored. Close your eyes, a sign of a secret room. Lift your hands to God, a sign that you're ready to receive from God what He desires to give you. Pray together with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you with a broken heart, with my dependence from sin. I come with my sickness, with my fears. I ask you, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me, heal my wounds, remove my shame, protect me. I accept your words, the words of healing, the words of protection, the words of justification, the words of liberty into my heart. And right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am justified, and I am saved. Amen. Amen. Your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. <clears throat> May he look upon you with a shining face and give you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they will not touch you. May all of these blessings come upon you, those of the hills and of the valleys. May healing be upon you and your children and be fulfilled upon you. And the nation shall say, Amen. And now let us all proclaim our unchanging manifestation now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to god our savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever amen